Welcome to our Bible study video class. Please have your Bible open. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 18. We will study these verses, after which I'll summarize what we have studied in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I remind us this is from God through Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 18, just a few verses packed with truth for us to learn. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. I've said before that there's an element of sadness about Paul's second letter to Timothy. His circumstance is revealed here. He is held in chains in Rome, awaiting execution. Later, he will say, the time of my departure is at hand. This is his second imprisonment in Rome, and this final incarceration was likely not a house arrest situation. And in addition to loneliness, there is an even greater emotion about people who have abandoned the ship, who have turned away. For Paul, that just makes his situation worse. It would seem, I want you to hold that thought. What we're going to see is Paul's attitude and how he conveyed to Timothy the motivation and the attitude that was his. Paul is in Rome. Timothy is in Ephesus in Asia. Paul was aware and Timothy was aware of people who turned away from the apostle, turned away from the message delivered by the apostles, and two are named here, Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, I don't know any more about these two. Paul was aware of these two and Timothy. Defections from the faith were always painful for Paul, especially now as he was near the end. If the last thing you see on earth includes people walking away from you, and most important, walking away from God, that hurts. Look back for a moment in 2 Timothy 1 at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. These men in Asia illustrate the opposite. They were ashamed of the gospel. They turned away from Paul and from the truth Paul delivered that was from God. The phrase in verse 15 is turned away. 
and it is a form of that familiar word apostasy. The term desertion may also come to mind. More about that later in 2 Timothy. We don't know exactly in what way these two men turned away, but this passage testifies they did. Now, there is a part of this that may seem troublesome at first, where Paul says, all who are in Asia turned away. My conclusion is this doesn't mean every single Christian in Asia. We know of at least two who didn't, Timothy and Onesiphorus. It may be there was a group of people in Asia Paul was trying to reach. False teachers are people who had been deceived by false teachers, and all of them turned away. All, therefore, may not be universal, but as it is many times in the New Testament, it may include a smaller group. So Paul brought this up with sadness. But quickly move to verse 16 for something positive. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. These are people Paul and Timothy knew. And as is the case with us today, some turn out good, some not so good. People make choices. Sometimes we are disappointed by wrong choices and friends who walk away from us and more seriously walk away from God. But there are always people who refresh and encourage us and give us hope. This man, Onesiphorus, has an interesting name. The name means a bringer of profit. Phagellus and Hermogenes were bringers of disappointment. Onesiphorus was a bringer of profit. It says that he refreshed Paul. I think we can read into that encouragement, goodwill, compassion. Then, specifically, there is this phrase, was not ashamed of my chains. Have you ever visited someone in prison? There might be some concern that you might want to do it quietly. You might be nervous about being seen in that place or what people would think. I'm convinced in the Roman Empire and in the city of Rome in particular, in the era of persecution, there would be a strong element of risk for Christians visiting brethren who were in prison. You are associating yourself with this man and this man's cause. You might be remembered or marked or watched or accused of aiding and supporting an apostle. Persecution against Christians was not only a situation of hardship for suffering Christians, it was a powerful temptation tool of the devil. The devil wanted Christians to be intimidated by persecution. The devil wanted people to be afraid to be associated with the Lord's people and the Lord's cause. The devil used persecution as a means of intimidation to frighten people away from the faith and those who held to the faith. 
and with some it worked. They wanted nothing to do with Paul now. He was in prison. He was a man marked for execution. He was an illustration used by the devil to say, if you continue to be an active Christian, this is what might happen to you. Well, all of that didn't work with faithful disciples like Onesiphorus, who often came to Paul to refresh him and who was not ashamed of his chains. He would not desert Paul. One man said, when Onesiphorus came to see Paul in the stuffy dungeon, it was as if the air conditioning had been turned on. So there were deserters like Phagellus and Hermogenes, but there were faithful, courageous examples like Onesiphorus, who would encourage Paul and uphold him. Paul prayed for this man and his family. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. By the way, so far, just in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul cherishes his relationship with two good families, Timothy's family and the family of Onesiphorus. More about Onesiphorus. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. This ever happened to you? You go to visit someone and you can't find the house or the hospital room. It's getting late. You just go home, taking with you some little satisfaction that you tried. And if someone asks, you can say, well, I tried, but I couldn't find the house or something like that. Most of us have done something like that. Hopefully, we now regret. Onesiphorus, however, was not satisfied with a little effort. He determined to find the apostle Paul. He searched for him earnestly and found him. Remember, Onesiphorus was a bringer of profit. He was apparently determined to get the profit to the one who needed the spiritual profit or benefit. Now, and by the way, I spell that word profit as I'm using it here, P-R-O-F-I-T, benefit. Now, verse 19 always provokes some discussion. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. Sometimes there is the suggestion that Onesiphorus had really done something wrong, that he sought out Paul to make amends to ask for Paul's prayers. I see nothing like that inferred in verse 19. You know who needs mercy on the day of judgment? Every single person. Then it is brought up sometimes, why did Paul pray for Onesiphorus separate from his family? What do we make of that? All I know to make of that is they may still have been separated by distance. The family back in Ephesus. Onesiphorus, either still in Rome with Paul or on his way back to Asia. This final part of chapter one is really simple. 
having to do with Paul's circumstances where there is a mix of good and bad. His disappointment in Phagellus and Hermogenes, his delight in the visit from Onesiphorus. So that's 2 Timothy 1, 15 to 18. Let me read again. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. I want to look back through chapter one with emphasis on two primary elements of content within the narrative. Would you consider with me what was on Paul's mind as he faced execution? Gratitude. Verse three, I thank God. After that, he specifies what he is thankful for. Timothy and Timothy's family. His focus was not on his situation in prison, but on this good family he identified with Timothy, Timothy's mother and grandmother. Also looking back in chapter one, Paul cherished good memories. Verse four, I remember your tears. Verse five, I remember your sincere faith. He has no morbid obsession about his death. He cheers himself with gratitude and good memories. He has confidence. Verse 12 is what we talked about in another class. For I know whom I have believed. That's confidence. Remember, uh, it wasn't just that he knew instruction. He knew the instructor. His confidence in Christ kept his spirits up. There is sadness. We have noted his sadness about Phagellus and Hermogenes. This was a reality, this sadness about these deserters from the faith. That was counterbalanced greatly by his joy over Onesiphorus, who often refreshed him and who was the object of Paul's prayers. So on Paul's mind before his death, gratitude, good memories, confidence, sadness, but joy. Now, what about Timothy? Timothy is to fan his gift into flame. That's earlier in the chapter. He is not to be ashamed of Paul or the testimony of the Lord. He is to follow the pattern of sound words. He is to guard the deposit God placed in him. Remember, this guard deposit language is always suggestive of stewardship, keeping the charge given to you. There is, in this second epistle of Paul to Timothy, a passing of the torch to the next generation. What Paul had on his mind, the Holy Spirit used to pass the torch on to the young evangelist. Timothy is not to quit, not to ease back, 
not to be depressed by Paul's departure. He is to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Here's a key verse from chapter 1, verse 12. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. We have a song we sing with those lyrics. Despite the scandal of the cross in that society, despite imprisonment, despite bitter opposition from false teachers, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. His confidence is unshaken, and he wants to do all he can so that that confidence and strength is developed in his young friend, Timothy. And of course, we are able to develop this confidence and strength against any temptation or opposition we encounter by using the word to know the Savior and apply his word to our lives every day, committed to sound teaching. Thank you for listening.